Do you find yourself almost feeling guilty about wanting to make millions? Hmm. Guess what? I think there's a reason for that. We're going to talk about it today on Seven Figure Sister. Welcome to the Seven Figure Sister podcast. If you're a coach or consultant who is ready to learn how to strategically leverage the power of smart, savvy, and proven strategies to market your business, elevate your brand, attract and close high ticket clients, then let me tell you, you are in absolutely the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Avis, award-winning author, media commentator, mentor to ambitious entrepreneurs, and multi-seven-figure CEO. I grew my business from zero to six figures in less than nine months and went on from there to hit the seven-figure mark by strategically leveraging the power of both offline and online media marketing strategies and mastering the art of high-ticket sales. And guess what? So can you. Welcome to the Sisterhood. Welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Sister, where I'm going to be talking about this issue of the love of money and what I frankly believe are lies that they keep telling. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the quote unquote love of money and other lies that particularly the Black community is told that I believe is specifically meant to keep us satisfied with having less. Let's unpack it today on Seven Figure Sister. So in today's episode, I really want to talk about what is going on with this issue of guilt around making large sums of money or value, quite frankly, a negative connotation being associated with people who make a lot of money and particularly within the Black community. And what really brought up this issue for me was reaction to a social media post that I made that specifically teased out why you really need to make millions in today's society to be comfortable. It's not really something that I argue is necessarily something that is, you know, overly verbose. You know, it's not about having yachts and 50 bazillion homes in every state and all around the nation, all around the world. It's really something that's becoming more of a necessity. In fact, it was based on a study that was done by Charles Schwab that asked individuals, you know, what do you need to make in order to feel comfortable where you live. And what they found was in many major cities, it really does require over a million dollars. In the Washington, D.C. area, like where I live, it was estimated that you need 1.1 million to feel comfortable. In New York, it was estimated you need 1.4 million. In San Diego and L.A., 1.3 was the figure, obviously even more in San Francisco. Even if you go down south, look at place like Houston, 919,000 was the figure that this particular survey found that respondents said they need in order to feel comfortable. And even in Atlanta, over three quarters of a million was needed. Some $771,000 was the figure that those respondents suggested. When I talked about this in the post, it's very interesting. I got a response from someone who said, well, you know, I make a lot less than that and I'm very comfortable. I have a home. I go on vacations. I get a chance to go out and eat several times a week whenever I like. Anything more than that is extravagant. And even further, I've had someone who suggested that actually it's the love of money that's killing the Black community. Well, here's what I believe. What's killing the Black community is poverty. And poverty is one problem that by definition, by definition, can completely be eliminated through money. So what's going on here? What is going on here where it seems that particularly 
in the African-American culture, there seems to be this issue of morality that is tied into finances, where there is an oftentimes a belief that people who either are millionaires or more or aspire to be millionaires are somehow less morally sound than individuals who aren't making that amount of money. Well, here's what I would suggest. There's a reason for that. We live in a country that, quite frankly, for centuries has become addicted to our labor and not just addicted through the couple of centuries of free labor that really provided the economic underpinning of this world economic power, but even up to through today. You see the statistics around wage gaps that are in existence not only across gender, but also across race and gender, right? You see the reality of the prison industrial complex and how uh, the 13th Amendment in fact, allows people to be, for all intents and purposes, provide slave labor under those circumstances. This is very much a society that is still addicted to Black labor, and specifically the undervaluing of Black labor. And because of that, there is little wealth acquisition in the Black community, not only as a result of years, centuries of free labor, not only as a result of underpayment in the work world. This is a country that continues to want to underpay and continue does to definitely pay differentially across race and gender. I saw another article recently that really blew my mind. It was about a college student who made $110 million selling Bed Bath & Beyond stock before it sank. And what really, really struck me when I read this article was the fact that the way this college student made $110 million in the stock market was because he borrowed $25 million from friends and family to be able to invest. And I would tell you, given the fact that there is this huge racial wealth gap, given the fact that Black people have only about a tenth of the wealth that their white counterparts do, do you really think most Black people would be able to call friends and family? <laughs> and get their hands on $25 million. Now, all fairness, most white people probably couldn't do that either. But statistically speaking, there's a greater likelihood that it could happen in the white community than it could within the black community. Here's what I'm saying. Wealth is needed in the black community. Wealth could solve a lot of problems in the black community, or at least make existence a whole lot more pleasant for a lot of people in the black community. And when I think about really this reflexive thought that links money and quote unquote being evil as being so deeply rooted in the Black community, I think the obvious answer is maybe a misinterpretation of a Bible verse. But I think it's even deeper than that. I think that in a nation that has so deeply exploited the Black community for so long that you have a community of people who have had to figure out ways to cope with that reality. And I think one of the ways that has bubbled up as a coping mechanism is this belief to add moral underpinnings around wealth that are negative and moral underpinnings around poverty or at least struggle that's positive. And in that way, at least one believes that they're better morally and they can accept that subjugation without fighting back then. Because to them, the moral picture creates a level of comfort. 
I truly believe that those messages are messages that have been consumed by the community. I believe that those are messages that honestly, in many ways, have been implanted within the community, encouraged within the community, because just think about it. Imagine having the level of exploitation that the Black community has faced in this nation for as long as we have, and to live in a stable society, to live in a society that is not threatened by any sort of revolution or any sort of major violent pushback. To stop that from happening, you have to keep people satisfied with where they are. And if you believe that at least if your moral underpinning is sound, then you're more likely to be satisfied with that space. This is why I am so determined to reorient what we experience as normalcy via wealth acquisition in the Black community. I am ready for us to normalize the ability to make sure that we send our children to college completely debt-free and not have to worry about whether or not any student loans are going to be canceled because guess what? We can afford to pay it. Money buys that. I want us to be able to bury our loved ones without a GoFundMe. Money buys that. I want us to be able to normalize giving our kids fifty, dollars $100,000 or more for down payments on their own houses like other communities do normally. <laughs> I want us to normalize that too. I want us to be able to have the resources to be able to find the best educational options for our children. Let's normalize that. I mean, these are the types of things that money buys. The reality is that across the spectrum, there are good people and there are bad people across every financial category from homeless to multi-billionaire. I guarantee you there are good people and bad people there. But what if we began to prioritize this idea of abundance in the Black community, of not settling for what we are given, but instead being aggressive about creating our own, and in that, doing it at such a high level that we could definitely create multi-generational success. Now that to me is revolutionary. So listen, be sure to tag me on Instagram and let me know what you think. Do you believe that the love of money is the biggest problem in the Black community or is it the lack of money? Thank you for listening to the Seven Figure Sister podcast. I hope you're leaving with a boatload of brand new nuggets that you're excited about implementing in your business right now. Why? Because nothing happens until you take action. Now, I'd love to hear your biggest takeaway from today's episode. So be sure to post the show on your Instagram stories and tag me at Dr. Avis Mentoring. Also, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review so others can get a sense of what it's like to join this game-changing sisterhood. Finally, if you'd like to learn more about working with me or want the resources from today's episode, visit us at dravismentoring.com. I'll catch you next time on the Seven Figure Sister podcast.